Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. There we go. So one of the newer guys to the church who's not fasted before, he said, but I, I thought this fasting was going to be hard. I'm like, okay, what do you mean? He says, no, I kind of thought it was an all day thing. So I was a little confused. What do you mean? He said, no, I mean, you guys only fast one hour a day. Because it's half past six to half past seven. Said, no, that's a, I've never, I've been in church many years. I've never heard that one before. And uh, it is, a, it is a, a very helpful insight for our communication and our advertising. And they're really, really good. Just need to explain one photo that was on social media this week. It wasn't Mexican weekend. It's just clarifying some of that. I really love my wife. This is the backstory because people are asking. And I'm about to go to a 50th birthday party and I'm dressed pretty cool, I think, until my get down to my wife says, you know it's a Mexican party. Apparently it was. So I went upstairs like a good husband who loves their wife and she wants you to dress up and you get kicked out. I need to get there and there are no Mexicans at the party at all. Any mix. Just to explain, really help her. Love your wife, do what she says. Happy wife, happy life. It's important. Just thought that would be helpful just to clarify. Before I preach tonight, I, I want to celebrate someone in our midst who God has elevated to, to lead in their sphere. And that is Nadia de Kock. Where are you? Come here. There we go. And um, it's actually so in relation to everything I'm preaching tonight. But this amazing young lady has been my deputy head girl of Milton High School. And um, we, we really are so very proud of you. And uh, I believe God will use this church to influence. And I, I believe God's appointment of you in that place is profound. And um, we really will be praying for you. And um, we're here for you. And I think it's going to be an amazing year for you and for the school. So bless you. Well done. I'm proud of you. And um, so we've been on a, a three-week Series, short little series, really presenting who we are as a church, something of our vision, something of the mission that we believe God has called us to, and clarifying what are we going to say a big yes to. Because it's easy to say what you're not going to, what you're going to say no to, but sometimes it's harder to clarify what am I going to say yes to? What are we going to run at? What are we going to put energy and effort and time and pay a price to be a part of and, and to understand that these are the things He loves. So we prepare to lay some of the down, the things that we love. And the first one we presented was reach far. Say reach far. Now you've got to do the whole action thing. This is Sunday school over. Reach far. Raise up. Release wide. And um, this is who we are. We've given you bangles to remind you because some are pretty slow. I know that. I'm one of them. We are speaking it, saying it over and over again because we run and get this so deep down inside of us. Number one, that we know what we're on about. Number two, we know why we're on about it. And we started out speaking about reach far, that in the context of reaching those far from Christ. Why do go to Zimbabwe? Why go on missions? Why be a part of stories? Why stretch out lives? Why move away from T-Rex living? See, T-Rex living is what life's about when most people live their life. It's like my money, my time, my energy, my efforts. I become a little T-Rex. 
But my God in heaven is not a T-Rex. He's the one who extends himself to earth. He places a son on a cross, exposed with his arms wide open. Why? Because he's showing to us that he is the most generous, glorious father, pulling us into his story. And as he pulls us into his story, he calls the little T-Rex arms that want to come back to smallness and selfishness into his story to be extending, reaching lives. Pulled into his life. Pulled into his life. And so he calls us into a reach far story. And it's this great truth that it's not about what it costs. It's what it's worth. And the whole world stopped in a moment during the FIFA World Cup and took their eyes off the biggest sporting event of our international calendar and placed their eyes on 12 little Thai boys sitting in a cave with no way out. The world just stops. It just stops. It doesn't make sense in some ways. A, a man gave his life to get to them. Navy SEALs flew from all over the world, took time out of leave and a whole bunch of things. Why? To go and rescue 12 boys. But you know what you never heard? Was it cost too much. It's not worth it. There was no journalist or article out there. No, it costs too much. We should just leave them there. The whole world got behind a rescue mission. Why? Because it's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. The church is on a far more important rescue mission. An eternal rescue mission, a mission that actually the price has already been paid. Our decision is to partner and keep saying yes to the glorious God. Why? Because he pulls us into a reach far story. He keeps pulling us into that story. And our vision is that we'd be a people and we desire to be a church who would keep reaching far, far outside of our comfort zones, far outside of the smallnesses of our hearts into the bigness of his story. Then he says, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to reach and then we're going to raise people up in Christ. We're not just going to reach them. We're going to call and put energy and efforts and say a whole bunch of no's so we can say a big yes to raising people up in Christ, growing up mature believers and ourselves going on a journey of maturity. Understanding that when the church goes on a journey of maturity, that happens when we come close to Jesus. To give your life to Jesus is not to say, I'm going to stay the same forever on this earth, but I've got the path to heaven. No, it's I want to be like Jesus, which means on day one, Things start changing in my thinking. Things start changing in the way I treat people. Things start changing in my engagements with the world around us. Why? Because I become like the one I love, Jesus. I'm called to become like him. I'm called to take on his ways, his thinking. Changes my smallnesses. He says, in the same way I'm going to raise you up, I want to raise people up for big stories of gospel counting. You can't stay the immature believer. Being in church for 40 years, time in seats of a church does not bring maturity unfortunately. I wish it did. It would make things far easier. But navigating life, including the highs and the lows, with a biblical perspective becoming a part of who we are, and time in His presence takes us on a journey of maturing to become like Jesus. And it looks like many things, but one of the things I got taught when I was young is when I was a baby, I could do nothing for myself. Nothing. I was reliant on everyone. And when we get saved into Christ and we're babies, we're reliant on people around us. We're reliant wholly on Jesus and his provision and sustaining. And then we go on a journey. He says, I want to raise you up. I want to get you off baby foods. I want you to learn to feed yourself a bit. Sure, you're still going to be provided for. Sure, there's going to be people protecting you. And I want to take you on a journey of learning to provide for yourself and then learning to provide for others and feed others. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He gave his life for those who scorned him. He pulls us into a story. He says, I want to raise you up from immature believers because time in church is not enough. And I want to pull you to a believer who looks like Jesus. 
who's going to change the world. Don't discount a 17 young, 17 year old lady, 16, 17, 17 young lady, full of the presence of God, raised into a position of leadership in a church, because I know that lady has spent time in the presence of God. I've watched her worship. I've watched her sacrifice and sow and plow into others. And I know God has raised you up for this time to see his kingdom come. And we're really excited. And he pulls us into his story to go on these journeys of growth. But then what I'm excited about, he doesn't stop there. He says, I want to release you. I want to release you wide. I want to send you on a big story called the gospel. And the bigness has to first come in our hearts. See, but there's a problem. And sometimes the problem is the church. Relax. I love the church. But we make the church the pinnacle. We make the church the everything. If I'm growing, maybe when I'm big one day, a big Christian, I'll be a worship leader or I'll be a life group leader. If I really grow, I'll be a life group leader. Or maybe one day if God's got something big for me, I'll be a preacher. When did that ever get in the story? If God has called you to be an accountant, be the best accountant you can be. This dude gets on stage with a beanie on his head, but actually he's a gifted accountant. And the highest calling in his life is not just to have a prayer meeting at work, although that is awesome. Be the best accountant you can be. Be creative. Create jobs. Bring integrity to you into a tough economic environment. Bring honor to your boss. Serve well. Give them your best. And watch what God will do with a God-honoring story and His kingdom advance. It's the width of God. It's the sending nature of the gospel. And God calls us to this story. And I want to literally, as we spoke in this point, as we were speaking as leaders time away, and we raised up those three things and said, that's what we want to say yes to. When we looked under release wide, we make three statements, and those are my three points tonight. Number one, it's kingdom before church. Kingdom greater than church, however you want to say it. Number two, and I'm going to explain it, the world greater than our suburb or city greater than our suburb. And number three, risk greater than safety. What am I talking about? Don't, don't go ahead too much. I want to explain this to you. I think too many believers get stuck. And a friend of mine was preaching the other day, and I think he put it beautifully. God's people went on a journey out of slavery, the plagues. And all these things that hindered, and God said, I'm going to send these things, and I'm going to set my people free. Sets them free to go on a journey. And what's their first big obstacle? A sea. Something they cannot get across, and there is an enemy army coming at them. And God makes a way through the blowing of a strong east wind. Overnight, he makes a way for his people to walk through on dry land. Through a sea. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of the moment the grace of God touches my life and washes away every stain, wrinkle, or blemish and makes me like Jesus when the fa- in the Father's eyes. It's beautiful. But then did he leave them there? No, he said, I want to take you, and that journey continues, and we see, we go on to the, to the incredible scriptures of Joshua. Joshua has this commission to lead God's people into their inheritance, into land, but the land stood on the other side of a raging river. The Bible says a river in flood. The amazing thing about inheritance, when we think about inheritance, we start thinking about this is money that's coming my way or this is some kind of thing I'm going to get that I'm just going to get blessed because someone else's work in their life. No, an inheritance in biblical terms is a land to plow, to be fruitful. Inheritance is a field that we are given to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. It's more than just something to consume. It's more than something that I'm going to gobble up and just spit out. 
No, inheritance is the kingdom of God possibilities in our lives. But it happened on the crossing of a raging river. And I believe God's got to take us through the first massive sea we could not cross. And the miracle of Jesus and the cross is that we get to walk through on dry land. But he says, I've got more rivers for you to cross. Why? Because I've got inheritance for you. And the inheritance is seeing the fact that I've got land for you to walk and I want you to be fruitful in. Our work and your work, whatever that is, if you're a teacher, a photographer, a social worker, an accountant, a stay-at-home parent, whatever it is, it is work and it is for the glory of God. And there's rivers that are crossed because on the other side of that, there is inheritance. There is land. There is potential. There are possibilities. And God navigates us on this journey. Why? Because he wants to get all the glory. And I want to speak to these three things and give you clarity about what I'm speaking about. I'm not trying to diminish this moment called the gathering of the saints at all. I'm trying to elevate the many more hours moment outside of the church, the nine to five, the six days a week beyond Sunday that you live in most of your life and how you navigate that. I'm trying to elevate the possibilities and the potential of that as the church releases wide their best. Those who've been reached, those who've been raised up, and now we get to release into the world full of power, full of potential, full of life. And the first one is this, the kingdom before the church or greater than the church. I want to read you a quote that challenged me the first time I engaged it from a guy named Howard Snyder. Sounds like a sort of guy you can trust, eh? Howard. Number one, the church gets in trouble whenever it thinks it is in the church business rather than the kingdom business. In the church business, people are concerned with church activities, religious behavior, and spiritual things. In the kingdom business, people are concerned with kingdom activities, all human behavior, and everything God has made, visible and invisible. Kingdom people see human affairs as saturated with spiritual meaning and kingdom significance. Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God and its justice. Church people often put church work above concerns of justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry about the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the church change the world. If the church has one great need, it is this, to be set free for the kingdom of God, to be liberated from itself as it has become in order to be itself as God intends. The church must be free to fully participate in the economy of God. Do we get it? I I want to build the kingdom of God. And now does that diminish the role of the church? Not in the slightest. I believe the church is the arrowhead. It's the point. It's the sharpest point of God saying it's the plan A and there never will be a plan B because God put his church in place. But when it's only about a Sunday moment of church, we are missing the potential of the arrow of the kingdom of God advancing. And this line got me. Church people change the church. Kingdom people change the world. I want to change the world. I believe the message that we hold, the truth that we hold, the promises that we know of, have the potential and the power to change the world. That's why with confidence, when I walk into a friend's home, who their marriage is on the rocks, not because I'm a preacher, not because I have any skills, but because I have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I have a spirit inside of me, I believe it has the potential to change anything. And when we believe that and we buy into that and we understand that it's not just about building church on a Sunday, it's about advancing the kingdom of God, 
competition draws down and churches don't compete and leaders don't fight for profile. We're all on the same mission of seeing the kingdom of God advancing. And I want to sign up for that. Jesus spoke and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he kept calling us and he kept challenging us. And he said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He keeps speaking about this kingdom. He comes back and spends 40 days with his disciples. What did he speak about in those 40 days? He said, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He didn't speak about how to build church and how to rock Sundays. He spoke about the kingdom of God. It's a big thing in Jesus' agenda. And here's what I believe the kingdom of God is. It is the realm of God's domain. To put it in different language, George Ladd puts it this way. The kingdom of God is his kingship, his rule, his authority. It is not a realm or a people, but God's reign. What do I mean? I mean, wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes. Wherever you are advancing with the Spirit of God inside of you, the kingdom of God is advancing. Whenever you keep saying yes to God, I'll I'll rise up to positions of profile, but I'll do it for your glory and I'll keep giving you all the glory. The kingdom of God is advancing. When you walk into a boardroom where there is no hope and jobs are about to be cut, the kingdom of God has the potential of advancing when we understand who we are in God and that us being there brings in the authority of heaven. Why? Because I am a son of the king. And when I'm a son of the king, I have his authority in and through my life. And I'm pulled into his story. And the king is at work in and through my life. And his kingdom starts to advance. I think this is awesome. I I think this is amazing. It challenges everything. It brings a big picture. And we start understanding why it's so important that we are releasing our best wide. I want to tell you about some kingdom advancing stories because these rock my world. And this is what it looks like for me. It looks like a 17-year-old girl standing up and God raising up to lead in her space. It looks like a mother who lost her child to lupus last year, finding healing and wholeness in the king and in his love and in his grace and still being on a journey of healing and wholeness, but beginning to love those who are still suffering with lupus and hosting an adventure yesterday for about 70 people, 70, 80 people, where Muslim people and others who are suffering from a disease can come to a church and receive grace as 25 sufferers of this disease, lupus, and their families come because a mother is finding healing in the love of her Savior and finding courage to advance the kingdom. Does that make sense to you? Because it's not normal that people find this thing. It looks like two young men in our church who have been working in an industry for over 10 years each have decided to rise up and partner and to pioneer a business full of faith, full of courage, putting it all on thing because they feel like God is with them. And Mark, that's not quite the same. No, when I celebrate the planting of a church, I am excited. And when I celebrate the planting of a kingdom business, I am excited, equally as excited. Why? Because the kingdom of God is advancing. And the one is not greater than the other. It is purely sons of God and daughters of God taking ground for the kingdom. Jobs are being created. On Friday, we had the privilege of having a day off, and we took a drive into town to do one thing, to go sit at my friend's restaurant. So you know Bunty, who leads worship sometimes, if you know him. He's our Ugandan warrior worship leader. And his wife, Palessa, and together, they encountered a really struggling business in Cape Town, in the center of Cape Town. 
And they bought this business with faith and courage and the belief that God is with them. And they've turned that business around. She has brought employment to that place. She is ministering to a city, and I sat there watching people come from these Lani offices to come down to her business as her gift on earth is making the most remarkable red velvet cupcakes. Like, you cannot believe. And then little things. Have you, you know a bee sting? Have you ever had a bee sting cake? It's like, and then these muffins and these, because that's her gift. But actually, beyond the gift, there is an anointing to see the kingdom of God advanced. It looks like these things. It looks like my mate Kai Ruining, who these days is a very big loanee in a very big company, but about 12 years ago, he was a junior manager at SAB, a factory manager. And he phoned me on a Friday afternoon. I've told the story before, but he phoned me on a Friday afternoon. I was his life group leader. He said, I've just had to do the hardest thing. I said, what is that? And I've just given 15 breadwinners, men and women, retrenchment papers. He said, but I don't feel right about it. What should I do? I said, well, go to your father. Speak to him. Ask him. On Sunday morning at about 8 o'clock before church, I got a phone call. Hey, 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 uh, I think we can save the jobs. I said, well, what happens? And I had a dream last night of a strategy of how we can save the jobs. What should I do? He said, well, phone your HR director when you get a chance. Don't say these words. I had a dream. It worked for Joseph in the Bible, but it generally doesn't work these days. Just saying. Just say, I think we can save these jobs. Not one job was lost. Today, he now has the privilege of being in a place where he can influence those type of decisions. Because 12 years ago, he learned how to hear the voice of God, trust that voice, and believe that as he goes in as an engineer to a factory manager role, he goes in as an anointed son of God, not just an engineer who went to university. I'm telling you these stories because I want to provoke them out of you. I want more for us. I want you to believe that God hasn't just used you to come and clap on a preacher on a Sunday. He's just sent you out as a missionary, an ordinary radical for the gospel, with a story of the gospel, with anointing in your life, and to count to see his kingdom advanced. I love this stuff. I had the privilege of going to, um, to, with Louise and a guy named Darren this week, two weeks ago, to three rehab centers up the West Coast, Al Yada, Woman of Hope, and Hope, Hope Farm. And I walked in this one farm, and there's a couple there who've been there for 12 years, and 11 years ago they received a very broken young lady who was hooked on drugs as her parents had no way forward. You see, they'd left big, lonely IT jobs in Joburg on the belief that God had called them to minister to the most broken, the drug addicts of our city. And they started a farm called Al Yada. And a young blonde lady named Louise arrived on that farm. And she got loved and she got shown the Father and she received the grace of God in her story. And this church gets to receive a worship leader all these years later. And this church gets to receive a leader who has preached in this pulpit. And this church gets to receive a life group leader and someone who's pioneering in rehabilitation areas with their husband, Jacques. Why? Because 12 years ago, two ordinary radicals in IT jobs heard the call of God to do something crazy. And we get to receive, it's called inheritance. It's called world-changing stuff. And God calls us. And the tragedy is when we say, fail to see the world as our mission field. See, the world is our mission field. John 3.16, for God so loved the church. No. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
not T-Rex. He gave his son. What I'm not saying is the church is not important. No, the church is there to raise up and to reach and to release and to break fields where I am a petrol pump attendant and on 30 minutes on a Sunday, I get to pour in the fuel that I have to give from his word. That's my role as a priest in the story. But every one of us has to go on a journey beyond, outside of the temple, far from the temple and trust that God is with us. And he pulls us into his story. See, I don't think Joseph ever thought Sitting in a jail going, my brothers have rejected me. I'm far from my family. I've been sold into slavery. Mm. Don't ever reckon I'll be the second in charge to Pharaoh in this land. But he wasn't a prisoner. He wasn't sold into slavery. He was a son of God sitting in a jail. There's a difference. And when we see the difference, everything changes. And God pulls us into his story. I want to say accountants and teachers and cleaners and stay-at-home parents and sportsmen and preachers and social workers, we are all kingdom advances. It is our privilege and it is our duty. And he has pulled us into his story and it's got to come with a fire in our belly. Mm, I like this stuff. Secondly, city greater than suburb. And don't give too much time and attention to the titles. I just want to put something inside of you that the challenges. As a local church, I'm telling you and I promise you, we won't settle for safe, sanitized, secluded, suburban Christianity. It's a whole bunch of S's in there. And I just want to tell you that. Why? Because God's called us to a more messy story. He's called us to have courage to step into stories, to risk with people, and to step into areas outside of our comfort zones. To me, my suburb just represents something that I'm comfortable with. Something that I like. It's often people that are like me or people earning in similar brackets. And I'm not challenged by the fact that they earn way more. And I'm not challenged by the fact that they're actually below the breadline. I'm safe in this environment. God says, no, I never created you to be safe. Actually, everything about the gospel and saying yes to Jesus is about steady, stepping outside of your, sub, your safe zones. It's not about leaving your suburb. It's about understanding that God has put the bigness of the gospel inside of you. That is bigger than just your sphere of influences. I want to put it bluntly. This is about Europeans aren't just called to minister to Europeans. And Asians aren't just called to minister to Asians. And rich people aren't just called to minister to rich people. That is so small. It's so small that God said, I want to rip that out of you. And I want you to understand that I have sent you as a missionary to change the world. You have permission, you have authority, and you have a mandate. What are you waiting for? And it's going to sometimes happen well beyond the borders of what you think was helpful. You see, the challenge, Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Sounds about right. It is good for us to be here. With you, Jesus, your face shining of all glory. If you wish, he does the sales pitch. I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I won't even do one for me, Jesus. But can we just stay here? Why? What is he saying? And I'm sorry, but it's in the church too much. It's we're just going to put a little shelter, me and my Jesus, up here on the safe zone, where down there, there are broken people. Down there, there are broken people. And God, Jesus, reveals something. He says, no, no, I've revealed my glory to you so we can go back down there. 
we can get stuck in down there. You know what happens next? A demon-possessed boy gets set free. It's what the church are called to. We're not called to hide away in mountains, seeking the face of Jesus, seeing his glory, so that there's no effectiveness for the gospel on earth. And God calls us to his story. He says, actually, what you know and what you like and what's all about you, if it doesn't line up with what he loves and what he loves, it's not worth it. Step into what he loves. Jesus pulls him into a story, and then he says, actually, in this story and in this kingdom advancing story, risk is greater than safety. What do you mean, Mark? Well, Jesus calls his disciples. What does he say to them? Come follow me. You'll get a pension plan. You'll get a Maserati. You'll get a house for your build. There'll be, there'll be money for days for your next generations. No, he didn't say that. The only promise he gave them was, come follow me. I'll be with you. And then he's leaving and going to be with the Father. He says to them, I want you to go, but I'm giving you the Spirit of God. I'll always be with you. I won't just be with you. I'll be in you. I want to tell us and challenge us that to advance the kingdom of God requires our eyes on heaven and our hands on earth. My eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter and pioneer of my faith. But my hands working on earth. My hands seeing the kingdom advance on, here, on earth. The challenge is, as I look at much of the church's understanding of the dynamics, is that so many of us, our eyes are fixed on earth. The circumstances, the challenges, the politics, the economics. And our hands are pointing to heaven. And I think we've got to get the two back to the right order. As God pulled us into a story and we understand he never promised us safety. He promised us the gospel. He promised us eternity. He promised us eternity with the Father. He promised us the joy of getting to partner in the Trinity with the mission of God. And he gives us this challenge in Matthew 28. He said, then Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Oh, the ones that don't like Jesus? Yes, those ones. Oh, the ones who eat different food to me like cats and dogs? Yeah, those ones. They need Jesus. What about the ones that just eat lettuce, Jesus? Those are my toughest ones. Yes, those ones too. See, what's the message? What's the provocation? Jesus challenges us. John chapter 20, verse 21. And again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, he sends them, but he doesn't send them alone. He breathes on them. And the Holy Spirit comes for more than a show on Sunday at church, but for the empowering of the mission of God. Oh, what does that look like? I want to tell you what it looks like. At 23 years old, I'm working my backside. Can you say backside at church? We're going to say backside. I'm working my backside off in the corporate world, trying to climb a ladder I thought I had to climb. But I love Jesus and I worship Jesus. So I got picked for this group of young leaders within our organization from around the country, and we went away for two weeks. So you build intimate relationships. You get to know stuff about each other. And one of the days, they thought, we're going to have a creative day. You know, like corporates, when they've got too much money to spend, we're going to bring in an artist. So they brought in a guy named Nibs van der Spey. Anyone know Nibs? You don't know him, buddy, but thanks for your hand. And um, 
Nibs van der Spee is a very well-known musical artist. He's a guitarist. Beautiful, beautiful guitarist. And they brought him in. He play, started playing us some music and telling us his story. And everyone was inspired and thought, that's awesome. Then he said, I'm going to play, and there's paper in front of you. I want you to write down your thoughts. I want you to write down a poem. I want you to just write. So, I mean, who's going to hear anything that you write? So I start writing. He's playing, and I'm, I love God, and I feel very privileged to be, and I start speaking about my father and writing it down on paper. Then we start, I think that was an awesome exercise. He says, actually, you're von Pletzen, eh? Uh, thought about lying in that one. Thought, yes, I am. Everyone knows that. Said, you've got three older sisters. Uh, again, thought about lying. Went with yes. He says, all your sisters can sing. I bet you, you can sing. Really thought about lying. Thought that's not the right thing to do. I said, yes, I can sing. He said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play guitar, and you're going to sing what you wrote on paper. I'm in front of my work colleagues. I have seen them at high moments, and I've seen them in very low moments. They know me. I have to work with them every day. And he started to play. And I started to sing. And God started to do something. Because it wasn't a marketing guy in a training room. It was a son of God anointed and given authority to minister the peace of heaven to people on a journey looking for him. And tears started to flow. And years later, I still bump into people who are now sitting on boards of big companies, and they remind me of that day that I sang about a father in heaven. I tell you that because God says and puts in his word in Psalm 2, he said to me, you are my son. See, it starts with knowing who I am. It starts with you knowing who you are. You are not a church attendee. You are not a viewer, a spectator, a pay-per-view on the God story. You are a child of God. He says, today you have, I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the inherit nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. There is an inheritance on the other side of asking God. But if we don't know what we have access to, we don't ask. See, if you're just asking God to get by in work week so that you can be really good at life group, we're missing the point. I'm just telling you. The point is that we go to a life group so we can be really good in the marketplace. Like great employees who honor their bosses and have creative ideas that take struggling companies and turn them around, not because of the paycheck at the end, but because I'm a child of God called to forge and force off forward the kingdom of God. And that's my passion. Honestly, struggled with becoming a preacher. I've told you that. Maybe you knew I really struggled becoming a pastor. Not because I didn't have a high value of the privilege of this pulpit and doing what I do, because I absolutely love what I do, but because I had a high value of being out there in the world. I loved being amongst the mess of it. I worked in a marketing environment that was very, very messy. People who were really good at their jobs, but really bad at life. And I loved being there. And I had a high value of being there. But God called me into something else. And I'm challenging you. Sometimes I'm jealous that I'm not there where you are. Because it's a privilege to be a son or daughter of God. In the marketplace. Advancing the kingdom of God. And God challenges us and he speaks to us. And he keeps calling. Will you be? See, as children of God, we are both priests like Jesus. We're also kings. 
And as you go into these places and queens, you're going with the authority of heaven to do more than just a good job and get a paycheck at the end of the month. We go in as ambassadors, the kingdom of heaven. We go in with those with courage to keep advancing that story. We go in with authority to make a change. I'm just an accountant. No, walk into your boss's office when you know his marriage is falling apart and say, actually, I know the way forward, not just for this company, but for your marriage. Lies in Jesus. And when I got the biggest promotion offer of my life, I was sitting in a boardroom opposite a very experienced lady who had spent her life in corporate world, and she offered me a job. And I said, I can take that job, but I can't take it if you're asking me to sell sex. So either we're going to go on a different strategy or I can't take the job. And I, through a process of God intervening, the favor of God has come upon that company. For the first 11 years, they never made a profit once in 11 years. And God sent in a son of God. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you what God does. And in that first year, they broke even. And every year since, that company has never made a loss. I'm not telling you that about us. I'm telling you what God does when he releases his sons and daughters into the world. You and me. He pulls us into his story and he says, the economy of heaven is greater than the economy of earth. There's no politics in heaven because the king is on his throne. There's no lack of order in heaven because the prince of peace rules. And when we keep our eyes on heaven and our hands on earth, the kingdom of God starts to advance through our lives. The nations are waiting. God says, will you play a part? I don't want to just encourage you and just inspire. I want to call you to something. Will you stand with me tonight? Honestly believe there is enough kingdom potential in this, in this room tonight to change this world. And the key to unlocking Every bit of that potential is just saying yes. Don't think it's going to demand and think of the biggest hurdles you could think of. No, just say yes to today. Say yes to getting up tomorrow morning and spending time with Jesus. Say yes to to fasting for the next three days, even if it'll freak you out. Like I said to the church last week, I promise you won't die, but if you do, I'll do your funeral for free. Absolutely. But you know what might be on the other side of that yes? Is a God story. Is a transformation story. Is scales coming off your eyes to see actually God has placed me in the environment I'm in right now. And it might feel like a storm. It might feel like a cave. It might feel like waves are crashing upon me. But if I'm with Jesus, I'm in the safest place I could ever be. And if I'm in Jesus, I am the change factor in the situation. And if I'm in Jesus, he has released me wide to bring his glory in this place. So we're going to see great things.